Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what time it is because this is a podcast, and podcasts are listening to whenever you listen to them. <laughs> um, today is a really great day because we are going to talk about homelessness. And we are here with a homeless charitable expert, the CEO of Mobile Loaves and Fishes. Alan, welcome very much. How are you doing? Yeah, awesome to be here, man. Excellent, excellent. So, you know, homelessness is one of those things that we see. And, you know, you see the guys on the side of the street and you you want to help. But at the same time, you don't because there's a little stigma attached to that. But you're out here making a real change. Uh, talk a little bit about you know what homelessness means to you and how you got to where you are right now. Because we are in Austin, Texas, in a sprawling compound full of very well-appointed trailers and an amazing community center. This is a real big operation. Tell us about it, Alan. Well, giant operation. You're on a 27-acre master-planned RV park on steroids. Uh-huh. Uh, there's 100 RVs, but really behind us on the other side of this building are some of the finest microhomes uh, ever architected on the planet. Ah. So there's 125 uh, microhomes uh, along with 100 uh, RVs, and we're under construction just behind me on 24 new acres that will add another 100 uh, recreational vehicles and 200 microhomes. Amazing. Yeah. Now, the the tiny home movement is sort of on vogue right now, but it's sort of on vogue in like a hipstery sort of way. You're actually providing microhomes and tiny housing for people who legitimately need it. It's not a life choice to downsize. This is actually a, a creating a new community. Yeah, well, I'm humored by the tiny home movement. <laughs> there are, Alan is using some pretty serious air quotes right now. <laughs> yeah. I think you heard them. Yeah, and um, uh, the, the idea of tiny homes is not new. Really, what we should be talking about is the movement of these mega homes that never used to exist in human history. Uh-huh. We've always lived in tiny homes, beginning with our caves. And uh, if you go to any country around the world, yurts, uh, that everybody Wigwams. lives in. Well, look, go to Paris. I'm going to be in Paris in March you know, yeah. for my son's wedding. And uh, I've been to Paris a couple of times, and they live small. In yeah. Paris. They yeah. have small bathrooms, small closets, small yeah. elevators. So the idea of this movement is almost silly in my mind. Because why did we get here in the first place? Yeah. 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 And uh, the, the idea that this is new, like if you look behind me through the window right now, you see all the RVs. Take a look at my Instagram. We're going to have some really great photos of this up. Yeah. And, you know, these homes are 300 square feet. 
That's, I mean, I'm a New Yorker. Yeah. I live in an urban environment. Yeah. 300 square feet. That's a pretty nice sized apartment. Yeah. And so not bad. And um, so the idea of the movement itself is a little silly. Right. And so it's been around forever. Uh, (laughs) We literally are tiny home livers. We are. By Uh, nature. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But the advent of the subdivision post-World War II created these uh, mega houses. Right. Levittown. Yeah. And what I think is happening is that people... Uh, look, here's the reality. In the 1950s, the average size of a single-family dwelling in the United States of mm-hmm. America was 958 square feet with 3.6 people living in that space. Right. Today, it's 2,500 square feet with uh, 2.5 people living in that space. And here's what's happened. You huh. and I, as brothers, growing yeah. up in the same family, yeah. went from sharing, I mean, having 250 square feet to ourselves, yeah. not much bigger than this office. Right. To a thousand. Right. So even inside of our own homes, we are becoming separated from each other. Yeah. You had your own bedroom. I had my own bedroom. But when we were kids in the 50s and the 60s, all the brothers slept in one room, all the sisters slept in another room, and you you probably had one freaking bathroom. We did. Share. Yeah. That's one, right. Yeah. I grew up in a actually indeterminate time frame of building, but anywhere between the 1830s and 1910s, we don't really know, but one bathroom, bathtub, didn't even have a shower. That's right. And I got my own room. My two brothers shared. Yeah. That was it. Three bedrooms on the top floor, a kitchen, a living room, and a back room. Boom. Yeah. And so- Whole house. What we're doing culturally is creating a culture of homelessness inside of our own homes. Wow. Yes. Because we're isolating ourselves inside the actual home. Yeah. So if you go to my neighborhood next door, 650 single family, what we call hermetically sealed single family sarcophaguses that we call the American dream, you got these tiny little porches that are no bigger than an iPhone uh, six plus. Right. And then you got these big backyards with eight foot tall privacy fence, sport courts, barbecue pits, and swimming pools that we call the American dream. And we have the internet spewing in, refrigeration, flat screen TVs, uh, electric garage door openers, tinted windshield SUVs with Sirius XM, and we no longer want to interact with Her- each other. Hermetically sealed is the exact word. Yeah, yeah. and sarcophagus. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little deep. But yeah. Yeah, you're, but you're, 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 I mean, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. But when you start looking at this quote unquote American dream, you're right. And like being an urban dweller, like, well, a New York urban dweller, yeah. You, you had, you walked out of your house. And, and there's everything and you're there. In the, and you're in the community. You're in the community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I think it was, uh, I think Walt Whitman, I think, said he's like city air breathes freer, right? Yeah. And and that means city air, but you have created unto yourself a city. Yeah. Community, community, community. Yeah. If, you're, if you're driving into your electric garage and then driving into your gated office building and then walking into your climate controlled conference room and then back again... Of course you're going to not get along with other people because you never deal with other people. But we're looking out along this, sky, this skyscape right here, and everyone's right next to each other, and there's people out there walking and talking. I saw someone in the parking lot just be like, hey, how you doing today? I'm like, hey, how you doing today? You're building community. Well, it, but in the United States, we live in a swamp of uncivility or incivility, whatever right. the right word is, because we hate each other now. I mean, uh, if 
you happen to like Trump and you happen the other person happens to like Hillary, right. next thing you know it's warfare. Yeah. Through the keyboard. Right. And um, through the keyboard. Never in person. Yeah, never through the in keyboard. Person. Through yeah. the keyboard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so when you when you really back up if you really want to understand homelessness... Yes, please. Let's go to the root of the issue. Where does this come from? Well, you have to understand home. Mm-hmm. And so um, what does home really mean? And I, and I believe within the phenomenology of home that there are eight characteristics of home. Go. Home is a place of permanence. Mm-hmm. We live in a very transitory society. Yes. Home is a dwelling place. It's that place when you cross the threshold, you liquefy and pour into every nook and cranny of the home. Home is a place of embodied inhabitation. You're in my office, in my artwork, in the stuff that I have around, my Mr. M&M man, Simper, uh, <laughs> Gumby and Pokey. <laughs> uh, oh, office- uh, we've got a Gumby who is dabbing right now. Yeah, is yeah, there, yeah, is yeah, the that, Gumby doing the dab? No, he is, he is. <laughs> and this represents the embodiment of who I am as a human being right. on a number of levels. Home is a place of hospitality. It's that place when, when you come in, you are welcomed. As a yeah. guest. As a guest. As a guest, a friend, a relative, that, everything. That's correct. Yeah. And then home is a place of safety and refuge. Uh, critically important. If everything's going wrong, yeah. you can go home. Yeah, that's right. And then home is a place of stories and memories. It's often said that the mortar that holds the bricks of even the most impoverished home are the stories and memories that flow from that home. Uh, Seventh, home is a place of orientation. No matter where I've been in the world, and I've been in some cool cat places, my compass is always oriented to Austin, Texas. Yeah. And this place right here where I live. And then last and not least, and very important, home is a place of affiliation and belonging. You and I like to be around people like you and I. Which now, is, yeah. now, you go out and interview people because they've come from a diverse background. Yes. But let me tell you, your core nucleus yeah. of friends yeah. are like you. <laughs> That's unfortunate for my friends. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, Well, but, I mean, politically, religiously, economically, in essence, uh, yeah, culturally, you're, you're not, you're not, yeah. you're not too sure, too too far from the mark. Yeah, so yes. men and women that have battled mental health issues and homelessness and addictions and loss of jobs acclimate around each other better than those of us that have not had those experiences. Oh, I didn't even think of it that way. And and notice that within the phenomenology of home, it has nothing to do with four walls. We have a phrase within Mobilos and Fishers that housing will never solve homelessness, but community will. Now, here's the the butt-kicking deal to this whole thing. The single greatest cause to homelessness. Yeah. Without question is a profound, catastrophic loss of family. Right. Because inside your family, I already know this, and I've done no research on you. Zero. Okay. You have a drug addict. You have somebody battling mental health issues. (laughs) You have somebody that's lost jobs. Uh... Yeah, uh, two out of three of them are me. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but yeah, I mean, it's there. It's dysfunctional, but somehow our families come up underneath that as the safety net. And so, when a nuclear bomb has been thrown into this cellular life, the right. nucleus of the family, and blown it to obliteration, whose responsibility does it become? And what we've done in the United States is we've abdicated this to city hall, state government, and Washington, D.C. Yes. This is not right. 
this is not fair, and it belongs to you and I as the village or the community to take care of our brothers and sisters that are stranded on the street corners. We've lost that uh, cultural a desire to do that. Yeah, and, and and it's interesting that you say that because we 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 you can go you know the charitable route. Uh, it, it's almost as if both the society, us, and actually no, a reflective of it, our government has given up on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So now it is our cultural initiative, we must do this because our, unless we change our government, we must do it. Well, our government's not going to do this. They don't have the capacity to do this, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Inside of each of us as human beings are two and eight fundamental qualities. Right. Every human person ever created has the desire to be holy and fully loved. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Yep. And we each have the desire to be holy and fully known. You want to be valued mm-hmm. for doing something right. good in the world. The government can't do that. The government can't crawl into my bed at night and snuggle me and tell me how much it loves me. It's not going to hold my hands and take me to dinner tonight. Right. Okay? It's not going to kiss me. It's not going to make love to me. Right. Um, it, it's, it's not going to come into my home and tell me on a frequent basis, hey, what you're doing in the world is awesome. So even if the government had the wherewithal, like unlimited finance, the only thing they could physically do is write a check, and that's not going to help. And that's a transactional model. We think we can solve a relational problem with a transaction, transaction. and we cannot. And we cannot do that. That is so. That is such a important point that you just made right there, and you've broken it down in a way I've never heard anyone break down before. That you're like, no, you could throw billions upon billions upon trillions of dollars at this, but the transaction does nothing. The relationship does everything. Yeah, let me tell you what you're sitting on right now. Right. You're sitting on a $40 million development financed yep. 100% by private individuals. Just No all, government money in All donors. Name. All donors. And uh, I, in order to do that, you have to have some millionaire and billionaire friends. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you that I've been in some of the most extraordinary homes ever built. Right. And met some of the most homeless people inside those homes. They just, they're, they're just empty. They're empty. And when they come out here, they, they get infused with life and the simplicity of what it takes, frankly, to be happy. Right. Because money doesn't do it. No. And study after study after study has shown is that once you got your basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, blah, 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 met, there, there's no increase in happiness no matter how much money you make. Wow. It, it's a fact. And so um, what we need to do is uh, – uh, and that's where I like the tiny home movement is because it's dialing people into a simpler way of of living. So you and and this is a community and a neighborhood. You have to see and interact with your neighbors, and thus you are embedded in their life. They're embedded in their yours, and you know you could see Steve walk down right right from that trailer to that one, and Steve looks down. And the neighbor sitting outside on the on the front stoop goes, Steve, you okay? And then boom, now we've got it going. Yeah, and so no backyards, no back doors, yep, no fences, yep. Only for every every unit's got front porches, yep, and front yards. That's it. I mean, look, look at I mean, so being a, a New Yorker and from the the in essence the British legacy, right? 
the oldest homes in the towns in rural Westchester County in Connecticut, where I'm from, the oldest homes are directly on the street. That's right. They're direct, directly on the road, and their front porches are right in front of the stone wall, and the stone wall has a paving stone jutting out from it where the carriage would stop, and you would step onto the stone wall, up onto the lawn, and straight into the front door. Yeah. And the houses faced one another, and they were right next to each other. Yeah. All these people were farmers, but their farms were elsewhere. They were behind the house. Yeah. The homes were on the road. You wanted to be on the road. Yeah. So you knew what Dave and Steve were doing. That's right. And you can help them. Yeah. And those people live longer. And the studies show that those people live longer. And when there's that kind of interaction, look, if I was a real estate home builder developer person, mm-hmm. I would only build homes exactly on that style. I'd get rid of the backyard. Yeah. You don't need the damn backyard. I'd go back to the community swimming pool where I used to jump in the pool, ride my bike to the pool. Right. Jump in with 100 kids that were all peeing in the pool at the same time. <laughs> exactly. True, true. true. You know? And uh, I'd look over the way and I would see her in that cute little bikini. She'd be 12 years old. I'd fall in love with her right then. And I'd know beyond any shadow of a doubt that's who I was going to marry. Yep. And within five minutes, she'd be holding your hand. Yep. And I I got rejected. And now I'm really pissed at you. Yep. And then I'm going to figure out how to get you out in the parking lot. Yeah. We go out in the parking lot. We flail our 12-year-old arms at each other for two minutes. And then... We become best friends. Yep, and then the 14-year-old comes by and goes, losers! And you're like, oh, oh, no, it's us against him, and there you go. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's community. Right. And, that's, yeah. and that's how we resolve conflict. That's how we learned how to interact in community, and now we are isolated by, God, this thing. I mean, he's holding up his iPhone, which yeah. is which is correct. I mean, it's, it's okay, pardon me, it's a little leave it to beavery, but there was something to be said about... Not the fifties in general, but that neighborhood thing—the pre, the pre-exurb, the well, suburb, the suburb. Cool. Yeah. The exurb, I think, is the big problem, right? Yeah. When your when your your homes are on four point five acres and you can't see the neighbors yeah. by design. By design, yeah. With a gated community, yep, and then a gate to get into your driveway. And then a quarter of a million dollar security system to get inside your house. Yeah. That's what we're doing today. When you open the door, and you know those homes, you open the door, and it goes beep, and they got to go straight to the keypad. Yeah. My my house, like I said, uh, it physically could not lock. Yeah. Because they were skeleton keys. Yeah. The doors were skeleton keys. We don't not, we we physically did not have keys to my house. Yeah. So my house was that house. So we, we have to recognize this. And, and and governments, which are struggling right now to figure out how to address this issue mm-hmm. in, in every city everywhere, uh, until we recognize what the fundamental problem is, a profound catastrophic loss of family, this relational human-to-human, heart-to-heart connection. Right. We're going to be flopping around with people living under our bridges on our street corners. So, so let's talk solutions um let's, well, let's talk, not well, talk solutions okay let's, let's take, oh please let's take that word out of our language okay because so, no more solving or curing okay okay let's talk about mitigating mitigating perfect okay. excellent excellent let's, terminology let's, let's talk about relieving the suffering of people that are struggling on our street corners which actually has a collateral benefit of relieving uh, the suffering of the community that's having to deal with people all over our street corners. Right. Not solving because you can't, we can't solve crap. I don't know of anything that has been solved. 
Hell, most people can't even solve the Rubik's Cube, so why are we going to think we're going to solve homelessness? Right. Okay, so mitigation. That is a really important distinction, and I think that goes pretty much for nearly anything. Anything. Because, Cancer. Because we have... Okay, endemic in the homelessness situation, as Alan has said, is the breakdown of family, community, addiction, job loss, right? Yeah. These are also things that can be mitigated. Mitigate. You can mitigate addiction. Yeah. You can mitigate job loss. Yeah. You can't cure yeah. unemployment. As an example, the people that move into this community, we, we welcome the active addict. It's very low barrier here. Yep. Uh, a three-year study, we're under our fourth year right now, 80% drop in drug use from the streets to here, 60% drop in alcohol use. That's mitigation. That's not yeah. solving no. uh, anything. No. Yeah. Uh, that, so, so, other, you know, you've got, you're building this, uh, built, you've built this amazing community and you're expanding it and extrapolating from that, what can other advocates and, uh, and mitigators learn from your model? Like, where can this be implemented? Because it seems to me being, you know, the urban person, you know, 47 acres or whatever, that is a massive investment. And, uh, millions upon millions of dollars in donations, how can we operate on, on a smaller scale? I mean, this ambition is amazing. Yeah. So what, what can you tell others on how was the learning process to create this from ground up? Well, there's uh, one fundamental impediment uh, to making this ubiquitous, mm -hmm. and it's something called not in my backyard. NIMBY. NIMBY. Yeah. And we live in a culture of NIMBY. And... Uh, uh, we battled that uh, so hard for so many years. Uh, people would say, we love what you're doing, what you're trying to do, but, you know, honestly, this isn't the right place for it because it was perceived to be in or near their backyard. And we, right. ha we have to first overcome that impediment. The money is no issue. That, okay. The amount of money that we're talking about is uh, nothing on the scale. Uh, you know, we live in a multi, multi trillion dollar economy. And when you talk about 60 or 100 million or a billion dollars or 10 billion or 50 billion or 100 billion dollars, it doesn't even Pennies. create a decimal movement right. uh, in the deal. And so the money is there, but the model. Um, uh, the transactional model is an impediment, and then the, the, the idea that people can actually uh, leverage zoning to discriminate against. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
against other human beings is a scandal in our country. And, and we need to figure this. We either have to have a change of heart yep. or we just have to say, tough shit, we're doing this deal. Redlining and blue lining. That's yeah. exactly what's happening. Yeah. Um, and and, and I, I wish we're going to take some extensive photos of this place because this does not look... All the stigmas that might go through your head right now through homelessness and addiction and, you know, intransigence, uh, that's a word. Uh, you, uh, this, is, this is a town. Yeah. This is a town. Yeah. I, I would, I, if, if not for you, you and I sitting right here in this building, I would be like, this is a normal community center with a normal shop and a normal service station and a normal gazebo and a normal com- rec center and just normal little homes. What, what's the problem? Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. I have no problem. This is not a NIMBY problem. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, our neighbors next door and our, the subdivision that's next door to us have uh, have grown to, uh, for the most part, grown to love us. Good. Yeah. It's, yeah. And uh, so there's been no crime in their neighborhood resulting from us. There's been no d- diminution in property value, which is the two things that people want to uh, really complain about. Right, you know, right. We're going to bring the axe murderer in, and the axe murderer's profile is in a chronically homeless Oh no! Oh no! The axe murderer has a house and a car and a mortgage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they yeah. always do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the pedophile does as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to. We this is it, it. You keep stemming it back. It's our change of heart. This is all on us. That's right. It's not on our government. It's not on our legislatures. It's not on anyone other than literally the individual to say, "Hey." NIMBY people, knock it off. This yeah. isn't going to be a bad thing because no. now we've got people with well, homes. I'm, I'm ready to eat my words if I need to, but I'm going to tell you right now that policy cannot change what you see standing out there on that street corner. Right. We can, though. We can. And because, okay, let's just go through the mitigation. Yeah. You have a home. Right. Which means you have an address, That's which true. means you can get mail, right. which means you can get services, which means you can get resumes, which means blah, 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 blah. Right here, we just you changed the economy of this locality yep. has an economy now because of this. These are people with homes and addresses and residences and jobs. They are on the map now yep. so they can do this is great for everyone. Yep. That's right. Yep. No. And then you add in... Uh, uh, look, their health care is provided through the emergency rooms of our hospitals. Expensive. That goes away. Incredibly expensive. Uh, the crimes that they commit re- related to being in poverty, whether it's shoplifting or sleeping in public or urinating in public or whatever they get arrested for, um, and that sends them into the criminal justice system, that goes away. Yeah. And so all that money is saved yeah. uh, over there. Yeah. Plus, they become a productive member of our uh, of our society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No. One, Purposeful. One yeah. one dollar of donation or investment, if you want. Actually, it's investment because you're investing in human capital. Yeah. One dollar in investment towards a person will save seven and create nine. You know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm making those numbers up, yeah, but yeah. I you you get it, and you can just see this. This is a Beautiful community, yep. and I wish more people would think this way. Yeah, yeah. And then you go NIMBY. Yeah, then NIMBY. That's that's the deal. A friend of mine's doing their doctoral thesis from the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, and uh, uh, 
NIMBY is uh, the number one impediment to uh, transforming uh, what's on our street corner. Somebody told me today, I don't know if this is true, that uh, uh, the mayor of Los Angeles said uh, to the the communities with Los Angeles, we're, we're not coming to clean up the trash from all this mm-hmm. anymore until you allow us to come in and build a shelter system inside your community. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's uh, Garcetti, right? I, I think, I'm not yeah. sure uh, what his name is, and I, I haven't verified that. We, but, will, uh, we will look that up. Please look that up right now and yeah, comment if, on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would be uh, interesting if that's the case, but that's what we have to start telling people. You right, know? and and again, that is <laughs> yeah. That's not, not really that's yeah. not really a policy. That is again, this is on you. Yeah, you sort your own house out. Yeah, you that's know? right. It's your neighborhood. How are you going to clean up your neighborhood? We don't. You know, we um, people ask me all the time, "What's it going to be like?" Like on this one phase, having two hundred and fifty of these people. Um, these are the air. Yeah. What do you call yeah, them? air quotes? Yeah, air the quotes. quotes. Two hundred and fifty of these people here on the property, and I always tell them it'll be a lot like your family. Yeah, their eyes get big and they go, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that bad." And, go, and, and that good though, and that good. Yeah, it'll be both sides of that deal. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a bad egg and a black sheep, yeah. but you're still gonna have the family. Yeah, there'll be fights. Uh, you know, there'll be arguments. There'll be uh, it's all that. Um, so, so let's talk about um, some of your residents, like growth, like like how do you help? Okay, so we've got phase one, which is we've provided residence, right? Yeah. yeah. Phase two, how how do we how do we how do we matriculate into full society, so to speak, f- after phase one, which is residency? Yeah. Um, the thing that you have to realize is that the population that we serve, which is in Austin, and and we'll mirror this nationally for the most part, six one hundredths of 1% of the population. Six one-hundredths of 1%. Right. Got it. Okay. These are the most broken, battered, lost, forgotten, despised, outcast, Mm -hmm. vulnerable uh, people on the planet. They will need to be subsidized for the rest of their lives. Right. Period. Right. That's how it is. Okay. And uh, that happens in all of our families. If you have a Down syndrome child, they're not going to be self-sufficient. Right. If you have somebody that's profoundly schizophrenic, they're not going to be. If there's been extraordinary physical you know, trauma, uh, broken backs, limbs missing from battling our wars or whatever, they're going to have to be subsidized for the rest of their lives. So there's no, this isn't a catch and release, fix and repair model. But it's a fact of life that this is a segment of the population that will exist, has existed, and will always be there. Yeah. So let's work on it. Let's work on it and 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 create the opportunities for them to be productive members of our society. Right. Uh, as opposed to pushing them to the furthest fringes so that they're never seen right. again, which is how our policies currently operate yes. uh, today. And so uh, people move in here. They move in here for life. Uh, they die here. We bury them here. Uh, we have a 85% retention rate. Every now and then we have to cull the herd uh, because people are required to live in community. And so there are certain behaviors that uh, are, are not tolerable. Again, like a family, there is an aberration. There is, there is going to be a statistical outlier in any data set. So yeah. 85%. 85. That's amazing. Yeah, so when you talk mitigation, we have a model 
that uh, I believe could mitigate uh, uh, homelessness within 10 years throughout the United States by uh, uh, looking at it in a very different way, a relational way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would happen if our streets uh, had 80% less? What happens if they had 50% less people on our street corners? Yeah, that would be a visible, giant, positive, mitigating impact. We, I, we just came through uh, uh, Los Angeles yeah. and San Francisco, and uh, you know, n- n- politics aside, but some of the more liberal cities have a more liberal uh, toleration for the homelessness which is sort of contrarian to me. They're like, ah, yeah, well, it's a safe place to be homeless, but I'm like, but why aren't you helping? Yeah, yeah. And if you see a 50% mitigation of that, that is like rather than every fifth street corner, it's every 10th street corner. Well, Austin is a, uh, look, I love this city. It's right. my favorite city on the planet. I don't want to live anywhere else. I, uh, this is home. I've raised my entire family here. Um, it's a phenomenally progressive, very liberal. It's the bluest county in the entire state of Texas, right. period. But it's turned into an elite environment, mm-hmm. uh, which is heartbreaking. And uh, there's a level of elitism that will uh, progressively think uh, good policy change, but when it comes to, oh, but not here. Yeah. Not here by my house. Right. Uh, uh, then all of a sudden, all that progressiveness goes out the window. Oh, yeah. The second you get a dime in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. The second you get that mansion or you're the tech startup guy who has the IPO and all of a sudden you're worth $1.5 billion, you go like, Man, when I was young, I donated, but now, you yeah. know. Well, uh, you know, there's a lot of extraordinarily generous people here in Austin, Texas, and I love, uh, I love that side of it. It's just that we've got to look. Uh, uh, you know, if we go into the voting booth and vote for change, mm-hmm. uh, we have to live it. Yeah, yeah. And so, if if you're going to vote for a politician that wants to do something about homelessness. You better be willing to be. You a better party. be. Yeah. Yep. It, you, you, yes. It ain't going to be on an island somewhere. No. It is. It is your backyard. It is your neighbor. That's it is right. your community. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. So, how can the regular Joe off the street? First of all, how can the regular Joe help you? What What can we do to help mobile loaves and fishes? Well, um, you know, the number one thing that we try to encourage people to do is come out here. Yeah. Uh, because we're here to transform your heart. And so our goal is always to invite people into our vision, okay? That's, that's the extent of what they can do for us. Uh, and if that leads into them becoming involved by sharing their time, talent, and treasure, that's, that's awesome. Time, talent, and treasure. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But more importantly, we want to be able to break down and change the paradigm as to how pe- people view the stereotype of the homeless. These are great people uh, that have had some extraordinary trauma in their lives. And when, when given the opportunity, like all of us, yeah. they rise to the occasion. Yeah. And so uh, get on an airplane and fly down to Austin. I don't care where you live. It's a $400 round-trip ticket somewhere. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and come down here and spend a day with us or come to one of our three-day symposium and learn about the most powerful movement 
and and come and visit the most talked about neighborhood in Austin, Texas, and what we believe is probably the most talked about neighborhood in the United States of America. I and I can't encourage you enough to come down and to experience this place because again, uh, disp- Mr. Graham is talking about this endeavor. And not once would I have ever been like, oh, this is a formerly transient population. No, this is a full community from onset. Just turning onto the drive, you're like, oh, it's just a normal place. Well, even it's almost abnormal. We have an outdoor Alamo Draft House movie theater. We have a bed and breakfast with an extraordinary occupancy rate. Uh, micro enterprises all over the property for people to uh, do cultivating work. We have a culinary operation, art house, uh, car care business here, blacksmithing, woodworking, glass blowing, uh, jewelry making, pottery. Yeah, I take it back. It's an extraordinary community. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like I actually I can't think of any place on earth I've ever been that full, has full, all these things. Full blown organic farming operations. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. There is a, yeah. Okay. So this is actually, no, you must come here because it is not a normal community. It is an abnormal community. And I'm saying that with the highest of praise, it is abnormally beautiful and enriching. And all those, again, all of those uh, endeavors that you just marked. Yeah. In employment and jobs and livelihoods. And it just spirals out of control from there in the best possible way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, what other, what ways can people help in their own communities? What, how can they help organizations like Mobile Loaves and Fishes elsewhere? Because I, I, th- I, I, think, I, I think I recognize the specialness of this. Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of ways you can help other organizations. But I think really what somebody should do is go build a relationship with one person in their community. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Just go build a relationship, man. Roll the window down and talk to the man or woman that you're passing every day that stand on that street corner. Uh, tell them hello, God bless, get their name, pull over, get out of the car. Uh, they're not going to slice your throat uh, and move into a relationship. Go across the street to the jack-in-the-box and buy them, uh, you know, uh a, a burger and right. fries and just sit down and begin to build a relationship and come to understand who they are as a human being. They, they will draw you closer to the creator. Uh, they will draw you closer to yourself so quickly by sharing their vulnerabilities. It's a, it's an amazing process. And that is a very compelling way to put it because all of us have our struggles and we all go through life and we have our problems, but think this is maybe selfish of me to say, but it might be a way to uh, impel people to get involved because think of the experience you can gain from someone, the life experience of someone else who has seen it all fall apart. Like your life can be enriched by both embracing and uplifting someone, but also through critical thinking and being like, wow, I've actually learned from the example of this person. Is that selfish to say? No. No? Not not at all. I think, um, uh, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, I'm in this spiritually. Mm -hmm. I'm in this because I've been called by God to be in this business. So I make no bones about that. And uh, so people ask me, why are you in this? And I go, I'm in it because God called me in it. I mean, that's extraordinary selfish. I mean, I'm, uh, 
you know, I want to go to heaven mm-hmm. and I want to do great things. And when I'm standing up there at the pearly gates and St. Peter's uh, standing there, I want them to look at me and go, hey, man, job well done. And, uh, and so there is a – and that's – be selfish. Right. Go do this because it's the right thing to do for you. Because right. if, if you're thinking that uh, – look, everybody knows they should be doing something. You can't be a human being and not have the purposeful desire to be meaningful in your community for people. Uh, and so whether it's homeless people or foster care kids or, you know, little babies that have been abandoned or, you know, whatever, or the environment or puppy dogs and kitty cats. Get uh, involved. Get involved. Get and involved. Go do that and make it selfish. And make then, it all, selfish. then all of a sudden it'll, you'll start transforming the world. That's that's, a, that's how simple that is. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so how can how can um, people follow you on Instagram and the Twitters and stuff like that? So yeah, we can, I mean, we can... I, uh, you know, Mobile Loaves and Fishes has its uh, Facebook page. Alan Graham has a uh, Facebook page. Um, uh, I think our Twitter is at Mobile Loaves. I bet our Instagram is probably at Mobile Loaves. Is that <laughs> right? Anybody out there? <laughs> Instagram, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we uh, crick, crickets, crickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of help you guys are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, we're all out there. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, I'm 63. So, I mean, I started the whole Twitter thing here, uh, but it, it became too much for my brain. <laughs> yeah. And so, I'm focusing on <laughs> Facebook, and that's what I do. There we go. And everybody else uh, can do all the other. <laughs> Is it, you need to do Instagram or Snapchat, and I go no, no, yeah, <laughs> you, you guys, you guys handle that one, yeah, um, Mr. Alan Graham. I encourage all of you guys to follow this on the Twitters and the Facebooks. And hey, the read my book, Welcome Homeless, man. Oh, uh, there it is, oh. right there. Welcome Homeless, uh, one man's journey of discovering the meaning of home. Welcome Homeless. Yeah, go buy that book. It's on Amazon, about ten bucks. It's a powerful uh, uh, book that. Uh, you know, talks about my journey, but my journey with about uh, 11 or 12 friends that I've met over the past 20 years right. from the streets and their trauma and how it uh, connects back to this profound catastrophic loss of family. It's actually, I mean, it's a pretty damn good book. Welcome Homeless on your bookshelves and your Amazons right now. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Alan Graham of Mobile Loaves and Fishes. This has been fantastically uplifting and informative and like he said get out there get involved it's cheesy but it takes a village and you'll feel good yeah it does that's right alan thank you so much awesome great appreciate it bye hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.